Good morning once again. We give your kids a round of applause. They really did a good job this morning. My name is Pastor Milo. We are so glad you're here with us this morning. If you're a guest with us, I hope that you enjoyed, yes, your kids being involved, but I also want to draw attention to the fact of all the young people that were involved across the board, up, up in the booth and different things like that. We've got a lot of our teenagers are involved there, uh, you know, pulling, pushing, dragging kids on and off the stage. There's a lot of that going on. Uh, but it's just really neat to see kids of all ages involved in this thing. And so uh, we want to give them a round. They're still in the room, so we can give them a round of applause as well. So, so you're not missing anything right now. The kids are all getting out of their costumes and that type of thing. And then directly below us, uh, following our time here, uh, will be uh, the cookies, the more cookies than you could ever imagine down below us. And so you'll pick up your kids and then you'll go get cookies. So don't forget to pick up your kids. That's an important piece of this thing. And, uh, and don't take someone else's kid. We want you to take your own and uh, that type of thing. But as, as uh, I got just a few minutes to talk with you this morning, uh, raise your hand if you're a family who sends out family Christmas cards. Raise your hand if you're a family who sends out family Christmas cards. I've gotten a few from some of these families here. Uh, we've also become aware that there's a system involved. If you send uh, family Christmas cards to f other families and they never send anything to you, eventually you get removed from the Christmas list. And so uh, it, there's like a give and take thing that goes on back and forth and you try to one-up each other with the Christmas gifts and uh, with the, the Christmas cards. But the problem with a Christmas family portrait is that it isn't actually reality. Like we all know that. Like the perfect family photo is just not really the way that it really looks like. And, and so what's more likely is that uh, people will take the picture and then they'll crop all the pictures to make it look like what you want it to look like. Our kids are on a, uh, one of the local soccer teams here in the area. And this year they did something different. Instead of trying to get all the soccer team together, uh, they literally took pictures of each kid in front of a green screen and then put the whole team together, all of their faces together to make the team. But the problem with that is, is like the coach was enormously sized to the rest of the kids, like in proportion. And so uh, like it just, sometimes that stuff works, other times it doesn't quite work. And so if you Googled right now, and you don't need to because I'm going to show you a few of them here this morning, there are some awkward family uh, Christmas pictures uh, that come up. So I want to show you this first one, uh, and this is one with the, the word joy. Merry Christmas to all of you and, and joy in the new year, right? And so I'm not sure exactly uh, what was happening here in this picture. If any of you have taken family photos before, you can guess what's happening. But it's possible that photographers showed them the next picture and they thought, oh, don't do that to us, please. So if you show that next slide, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what's happening here of which person we're supposed to be excited to see at Christmas. I'm not sure why they're not looking at each other or, or something like that. But maybe those kids were crying because this is what happened for their last year's photo. You show the next one. This might be what happened in their last year's photo. Actually, the Murphys, if any of you got the Murphys card or the family, the extended family for the Murphys, their family picture actually matches this background. So I'm not sure if this that very could be John Murphy, I'm not sure. 
This next one is the one that surprised me the most when I looked up some of these pictures. So this one, if you look here. So my understanding, and it, when I found it, it actually had this story written beneath it here. Is it says TBD. So there's a family photo of the guy in the back. This is his girlfriend, but they went through a rough patch just as the picture was being released, apparently. And so the mother decided not to take her out of the picture entirely, but sent the picture out with this sticker on it. <laughs> TBD, to be determined, we're not exactly sure what's going on with the next of this. Um, I think to be honest, all of us, you can take that down because all of you be distracted for the rest of the sermon here. Um, if you be honest, they label her TBD because we're not quite certain yet of what she's going to be. When it comes to many of our families, there's a lot of people that we don't have a sticker that we walk around and the stick on people, but when you get to the family gathering, everybody comes together, there's many of you that are carrying around a mental sign that just kind of sticks on that person's face that says, TBD. I'm really not sure what to think of this person. I'm really not sure. Or maybe you're the one carrying your own sign that says TBD. I don't know how I fit into this family. I don't know what it is that you expect from me. And it's all kind of hanging out there. Why do we do that? Well, because families, yes, are a time of gathering together. And we, we have this great environment sometimes. But also family is a gathering of imperfect people. And we imperfectly will put that sticker on other people around us. And we will imperfectly even accept other people putting that sticker on us. Some of you are nodding with me because you know exactly what these awkward family times bring. Where there's some, that, some uncomfortability that comes around. Uh, for me, the sticker that is put on my face with my siblings, I'm an oldest brother with three younger sisters. The youngest of which is six years younger than me. And I'm pretty sure that this sticker she puts on my face or has for a lot of years is jerk. <laughs> she, it wasn't until she got married, and I may have shared this story with some of you before, but it wasn't until she got married that her husband finally told me, he pulled me aside and said, you have damaged your sister. He said, we cannot walk through a grocery store at all without her freaking out, thinking that there's an anxiety attack because someone, her older brother, her entire childhood would push the shopping cart into the back of her ankles over and over again as she's walking through the grocery store. Boo, is someone boo? Was there a boo? I mean, that's mean. And, and we're, grown, we're grown now. We've got our own kids and our own families. And so maybe the sign jerk has been removed off of my face to at least be TBD. Like, we'll see how it works out. I'm not entirely sure. But as we go through life and we have these really awkward moments and these really awkward family dynamics, maybe you need to think about this this morning. So we've got in your bulletins this morning, we have an outline that helps you along with where I'm going with today's talk, and I'll move pretty quickly through this. But here's a statement that I want to make for you today. Because while family may be a deep joy and satisfaction, family can also be a source of deep hurt, confusion, anger, and sorrow. So how are we to find a level of peace in our awkward family relationships? How are we able to find an area of peace in our awkward family relationships? Because it says here, deep joy and satisfaction, yes, but deep pain, hurt, confusion, all of those things are often part of our families. So if you think about the Christmas story, 
Uh, you think about uh, the way that the New Testament opens up, we see this genealogy that takes us through the Christmas story narrative. You think about the Christmas story, there are a lot of awkward family relationships going on. As we, we dig into the story, as we open up the, the, the Christmas story, you get to meet crazy Uncle Zach. Does everyone remember him? He's the guy who shows up at the party, the birthday party, and says, guess what? Me and Elizabeth are pregnant. Great Aunt Elizabeth, we're pregnant. What do you think everybody else in the room says? You're crazy. And actually, I say he's writing it on a tablet because he can't even speak anymore. So, so we go through that and we find him out. And then what? Where's, where's the rest of the story continue? We, we meet Mary. She's a teenager and she's pregnant. But don't worry, she says it was the Holy Spirit. That's an awkward family dynamic that suddenly is in the middle of their Christmas season, their story, right? The dinner table is a very confusing place for them. But if you look at the genealogy, the, the New Testament opens with this genealogy, page after page, a, few cha- a full chapter going through genealogy of the Old Testament and brings us into the New Testament. If you were a book publisher and someone said, this is my first chapter of the book, it's going to be a bestseller. This is the, this is the chapter that I'm going to grab everyone's attention with. Do you think that you would start with a genealogy, chapter one, on your mark, set, go? No. There's no publisher in the world that would take that as your opening paragraph, your opening statement. Why? Because this awkward family, this awkward relationship talks, goes through this family lineage, tracing the ancestry of the Messiah. But he shows us a ton of skeletons in the family closet. There's a ton of skeletons in the family closet. There are idolaters, liars. There's a man who committed incest with his daughter-in-law, even though he thought that she was a prostitute, as if that makes it better, right? And so uh, there's another woman who in this list, she is a prostitute. There's a notoriously wicked king who burned his sons to death as an offering to a pagan idol to make sure that there would be no bad things happen to his family. This is the motley crew that lines out the lineage of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew puts this lineage as he traces the ancestry back But everyone on this list shares something in common. They were all relatively good people. No, some of them were. Maybe they were notoriously evil because there are some of those people on the list as well. But they are all people who are sinners in need of a savior. And so the New Testament opens up and it allows us to see the background is that every person on the planet at that time, and I will say, and now as well, needs a savior. In Romans chapter one, Paul argues that everyone, whether they are pagans, whether they are religious elite or Jews, Gentiles, the guilty, they are all guilty of needing a savior. He sums up in Romans chapter three, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so everyone needs a savior. Even the godly woman, this virgin that we know as the Virgin Mary, the mother of the Messiah, she acknowledges her need for a savior. In Luke chapter 1 it says, and my spirit has rejoiced in my God and my savior. She goes on to say in Luke chapter 154 that through her, the one who is in her womb, that God has remembered his mercy to Abraham and his descendants. Good people don't need God's mercy. And there are none good in that list, and there are none good in this room this morning. Sinners need a Savior. Jesus is the Savior. So here's a church we like to say, and we say often, we want you to find your place here 
at this church. We want you to find your place here. You belong here. If you want to hear anything we're saying this morning, I want you to hear that loud and clear. You belong. But we want you to be part of God's family. And Jesus made away. So if you're filling in with us this morning, I want you to just hear these few little notes I want you to take and fill out this first fill-in for you this morning that Jesus has made away. Want to be got part of God's family? Change your, here's your first fill-in, address. Change your address. If you have your Bibles, if you want to use that Bible in front of you, in the, in the book pew in front of you, Galatians chapter 4, and it's on the screen here as well. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. When the time had fully come, last year we did a sermon series that started in the beginning. We said how it all began, and we started in the beginning in the Garden of Eden, and then we transitioned to how it all went wrong. Genesis chapter 3, and how sin entered this world, and how it all fell apart. But then we open up the New Testament. We said, how did it all turn around? And we tell the story of Jesus, this little baby who is born in a manger. And then one day we're able to look forward to see how will it never end because Jesus as the Savior makes certain of that through an eternal life with him. So how did it all turn around? Well, God made that possible through his son, Jesus. When the set time, if you look at that long time, and when the time had fully come, this moment when Jesus, the Lord and the Savior of the universe, was going to be a little baby born in a manger, that time had fully come. God sent his son. He allowed her to be born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption. Circle that, highlight that, to sonship. Now, we as a church have had a really neat opportunity. Many are in relationships with many of you who have, there's, adoption is a strong uh, thing here as a church. And many of you know that process really well of what it takes to adopt a child or having been adopted into someone else's family. The beauty that is. And it says here that God himself adopts us to be sons and daughters in his family. So very quickly, so that you would remember this, adoption requires someone to come at just the right time. The match has to be made at just the right time. The the child that this person is looking for is available, and at just the right time, uh, they are able to adopt. Adoption also requires someone who possesses the right qualifications. If you've ever gone through an adoption process, it's a very extensive thing that not only do you make sure that the child is ready for adoption, you make sure that the, the parents are ready and, and you find out what does the home environment look like. You find how many other kids does the family have. The, the parents often have to go through a physical exam to make sure they are healthy enough to adopt this child, even down to the point of checking their eyes to make sure that they can see well enough to drive. All of those things go into adopting a child. Adoption requires someone who possesses the right qualifications. And adoption requires someone with the right resolve. Adoption is not an easy process, particularly an international adoption. You have to go out there and work really hard sometimes to make the adoption go through. And we have lived through that as a church of helping some of our friends here in in the adoption process. It is not an easy one. You have to have resolve in that. When I say change your address, what do I mean by that? Well, when an adoption happens, whether that person is coming from East Asia, whether that person is coming from Eastern Europe or East Buffalo, (laughs) it doesn't matter. There's going to be a change of address. Where they used to live is no longer. Now they're going to live at this new place. 
And at just the right time, God sent his son so that we can change our addresses and be part of his family. Secondly, here's your second fill-in. Change your status. Change your status. Continuing on in Galatians chapter 4. Because you are his sons, God sent, and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. There's a little play on words that is being used here. When he says you are his sons, he, spent, he sent his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. You are no longer a slave. You are no longer a hired hand. No, now you have been adopted into the family as a child of God and who can call out Abba, Father, or the translation would be Daddy, Daddy. Most of us have grown up that we don't call our fathers Daddy anymore. You call them Dad or Father. I don't know which way you were raised. But there's such an intimate word being used here to say you are no longer just part of the extended family of work hands and people who are here on the property. No, you can call me Daddy. There is a change of status that has taken place because of what God has done. And then the third fill-in for you this morning is to change your future. Continuing on, it says, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you a what? An heir to the throne. He has made you an heir. Not only have you been adopted in this lifetime, but because of what he has done on the cross, dying for you and for me, you are an heir to the throne. You have all the rights and privileges of a child of the Holy God. Change your address, change your status, change your future. Why? Because he promises a full inheritance to each and every one of us who call him daddy. He has promised an eternal Inheritance. He has promised us an eternal home. In one instant, God can change your story forever. Whether it's crazy old Zach, who has an angel show up at his house, and he says, you are going to be the father of a child, even in your old age. His story in an instant is changed that now he is part of the biblical narrative of our Savior and, and Lord, Jesus Christ. And in the same way, our lives can be changed in an instant. And that is my story, and that is the story of many people in this room, of, of that instant that you got a hold of the fact that you have an adopter, a Savior, Jesus Christ. And the question comes back to ask, do you know him today? Do you know him today? <coughs> because if you know him, you know that this is not just a kid's play, a kid's story that we do every year. This is something that is speaking to the larger narrative of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. And so as I asked you earlier to look in that pew in front of you, you didn't take it out before I asked you to take it now, that connection card, just a simple way to communicate with us to say, I, I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. This whole thing just seems like a Christmas story that I kind of add together with all the other Christmas stories of Buddy the Elf and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But if there might be something more to this, I, just, I trust that you might mark something down that would allow us to just dialogue with you further. That's all I ask. There's a conversation that might go a little bit further than this morning because in an instant, God can change your life. Your family Christmas will still be awkward <laughs> because you are still damaged and broken people, and so am I. My sister is still going to look at me and say, TBD, I'm not sure exactly what is going on inside of that guy's head. But one thing you can be certain 
and sure of is the saving power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was born in a manger. He was put in a cradle, but he went to the cross for you and for me. And so this time in our service of our ushers, if you guys will come forward, if our musicians will come forward, as a matter of response, if you've written something down on that connection card, we'll ask you this morning just to drop it off in that connection card, in, in that offering plate when it comes by. This is a time in our service as well uh, for us to give back to what God is doing here in our church as well as in our community and in our world. We believe uh, that our church, uh, we set our budget every year that almost 25% of what comes into our hands goes right back out the doors because we believe that God is teaching us to be ascending people. And so in that process, if that's something that you are willing to do today, sure, drop something in the offering place that goes by. We, we appreciate that. We love that. We thank you for that. We're in the middle of a capital campaign. We're trying to raise 10% of $400,000 that we are looking at in 2020. We're trying to raise 40,000 of that here during this Christmas season. And so this is all part of that process. But you can do all of those things. If there's never been a change in your heart, there's never been a change from the TBD of, I don't know what's going on in my, in my mind, in my heart. I need to make a change and allow the Lord and Savior to do something special inside of me. I pray that today would be the day, or certainly today could be the start of that conversation. You'll go downstairs and you'll hug your kids and you'll eat some cookies and we'll enjoy our time together. But maybe we could enjoy our time together as the beginning of an awkward family that's gonna celebrate all of eternity together. So Lord, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for people's attention this morning to listen, to dig into your word for just a moment what you've said through the Apostle Paul here in Galatians. Lord, that you have adopted us into your family. Lord, you have allowed us to change our address, to change our status, and to change our future if we just step forward and accept the gift, the greatest gift ever given. For God so loved the world that he gave. Lord, teach us to give like you. Teach us to be giving people as well. We trust you for the rest of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.